What is up, everybody? It is Patrick Parker here with another episode of Guaranteed to Grow. And this week, we're going to change things up and uh, do it a little bit differently. So over the last nine episodes, we've covered some amazing topics. And I just want to kind of take some time to, to recap all of what we've discussed so far, just in case you've missed anything. So for anyone listening in for the first time, uh, this should be a real treat for you as well, because this episode is going to be packed with value, and it's also going to save you from having to go back and listen to the first nine episodes. You're listening to Guaranteed to Grow, the podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking for actionable steps they can take to validate, test, launch, and scale their software idea. I'm your host, Patrick Parker, a serial entrepreneur and multi-million dollar business owner that's passionate about helping entrepreneurs just like you. Expect to hear topics that will help you grow and expand your business in innovative ways that you would have never considered before. Let's dive in. So let's uh, dive in and, and talk about the first things first. So every successful business starts with an idea. As an entrepreneur, you've identified a problem in the market and you're working to develop a solution in the form of either a product or a service. But before you build whatever it is that you're about to build, uh, you first need to take a few steps back and start looking at what is required to determine if you actually have a viable product. So there's nothing worse than spending the time, the money, uh, and all the energy that, that is involved with building a product that just doesn't fit the market. And so instead of making assumptions on how that will be received, you can spend the time up front doing the deep work required to research the market, to identify and understand your customers, and to actually validate your business model. And so if you do that first, it will dramatically reduce the chances that your startup will fail and that you'll take a product to market that there's just simply not a need for. And I think the best way to start doing that is by first evaluating the actual opportunity. Uh, and that requires you to understand the TAM, SAM, and SOM. So if you've ever evaluated an opportunity before, the total addressable market refers to the maximum amount of revenue uh, that a business can possibly generate by selling their product or service in a specific market. The serviceable addressable market refers to the estimated market share that your company could realistically serve. And so what you're doing here, you're starting at the macro and you're starting to, to go in and the opportunity is starting to shrink, but that's okay. By the time you get to the serviceable obtainable market, which refers to the customers within the market that you could actually realistically serve, um, it's a much smaller opportunity than this universe that, that existed in the beginning. And it's important to understand that because unless you're a monopoly, which is illegal, you won't be able to capture 100% of your serviceable addressable market, let alone your total addressable market. And even if you only had a single competitor, uh, it would still be extremely difficult to convince an entire market to just buy your product. That's because different companies are at different points in their journey, different companies uh, may not be at a, a size or employee headcount or revenue uh, point where it makes sense to invest in your product. So there's a lot of, of factors that come into play that determine whether or not a company uh, actually fits your ideal customer profile and whether or not they would actually experience 
the pain points that your product solves uh, and benefit from your product. So that's why at the end of the day, it's, it's crucial to measure your serviceable obtainable market uh, to determine how many of those customers would realistically benefit from buying your product or service. And so with that being said, this is the, the slice of the pie that you're really competing for. And it's that specific segment that investors, um, friends and family, anyone that would potentially evaluate this opportunity for investment would be interested in understanding should you go down that route of deciding to raise capital. And once you understand the opportunity, you can then look for niches within that market. Uh, a lot of what we say is that it, it's, it's imperative that you niche down in order to then scale up. Uh, and it sounds counterintuitive, but niching down helps you understand uh, and helps you kind of, of shrink that messaging and who you're distributing that messaging to. So instead of launching a CRM to an entire industry or across industries, it makes a lot more sense to focus on specific niches that are underserved so that you can become intimately familiar with uh, their operations, the way that they do business, start by serving those customers, start building a reputation, start building trust, and then it becomes easier to pivot to capture new market segments and to sell into new ideal customer profiles. So always niche down in the beginning. Uh, that way you can overcome a lot of the challenges and issues that you're inevitably going to face as you begin to scale up. Um, and that will help prevent a lot of, of pain going forward. The other benefit is if you're not sure who you're serving, then you're not serving anyone, right? If you try to, to serve everyone, you often end up serving no one. That's the, uh, the quote that you probably heard before, but it's so true. So niching down again really helps you, even within your psalm, go as deep as possible to understand how can I capture these people um, and how can I reach them with my message? And so that's something that I always advise. Um, but the entire purpose of, of validating your idea before you start is really just to mitigate unnecessary risk. So there's a ton of risk involved with starting a business. Why would you not spend the time up front that doesn't cost you any money to actually determine whether or not you can validate that business idea, right? Is it a viable idea? And so here at SaaS Partners, we have a framework. Uh, if you want to check out the first episode that I ever did, it's all about how to validate your software idea in 30 days or less. I consider it a must-follow resource for all new entrepreneurs. It's going to save you a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of pain, a lot of frustration. And so the question then becomes of, let's say you do have a viable idea. Once you've actually validated your business idea, then is the time to really start focusing on your ideal customer profile definitions. And so you would have started getting into some of these activities while you're validating uh, your idea, but now is the time to really go deep. So it's important to understand that your ICP is not your total addressable market, as we talked about before, which really describes the universe of all potential target customers. You know, a good ICP definition is really going to answer three primary questions around the who, the what, and the where which is obviously a gross oversimplification. Uh, so if you want the full details for that, you can go check out the second episode where we talk about the three keys to nailing your ideal customer profiles. And we dive really deep on that, that topic. But at a high level, the who is really going to center around identifying the traits of your ideal customers. 
Uh, are they ready to buy? Are they not ready to buy? What does the sales cycle look like? Who are the people that, that really need it that have the pain points that you are describing? Then you've got the what that looks at company firmographics, demographics, and logistics. So how much revenue is the company generating? Are they profitable? Are they located in a specific geographic region? Um, what's the employee headcount? There's a number of different factors that go into those firmographics and, and demographics that it's important to understand. And then lastly, you have the where. And the where is all about determining where those ideal customers hang out uh, so you can understand how to connect and engage with them. And what I mean by hanging out is where do they consume information? Are they reading it off of blogs? Are they reading it off of industry publications or, or magazines? Are they getting it from social media? Where are they spending time to actually consume content and educate themselves around their profession? So with those three questions answered, by the time you finish developing the profile, you should have a really clear picture in your head uh, about the operating environment. The pain points that they're experiencing, uh, the goals and, and outcomes that they're trying to achieve, you should, you should really have your head wrapped around all of those. And what you'll do is you'll take this ICP with you as you progress on your journey towards launching your product and eventually executing your go-to-market strategy. And so now that you have those ideal customers locked in, now it's time to build a brand strategy. And so it's important to understand that your brand is not a, not a logo. It's not the colors that you pick. It's not your website. Uh, but it's instead, it's, it's all of those things collectively that really uh, delivers the experience uh, that your customer is going to become familiar with over time, right? And so I think that is something that's, that's critical in terms of building trust, creating consistency, um, and and ultimately building a reputation for yourself within the, the business. So I heard it, uh, our VP of marketing uh, laid this quote on me the other day in one of our interviews. And I, I think it, it does a really good job of simply differentiating uh, between marketing and branding. And so what he said is with branding, you're creating the story. And with marketing, you're telling the story. So if you look at it through that lens, the entire goal of branding is then to create trust with your ideal customers. And so that's, again, accomplished through consistency, consistent design, consistent messaging, and then consistent experiences across all of the customer touch points, whether they are seeing an advertisement on social media or they are watching a commercial on TV or they're visiting your website or they are receiving and, and reading a newsletter that you put out. Uh, there's so many different touch points that where these customers engage, and it's it's imperative to have consistency across all of those so that you can build trust uh, and reliability so that your customers know what to expect and can engage with you. And so after you create that brand story, then you're ready to start building a product uh, that you will eventually take to market. And I always recommend starting with a minimum viable product, uh, commonly referred to as an MVP that really includes one primary feature that seeks to solve one primary problem. So instead of building out uh, a full-fledged software product, really focus on the things that differentiate you in the market space that really make it clear to your customers who you are and what problem you're trying to solve. Uh, going forward with that clarity will, will help you uh, immensely in terms of knowing who your customers are and 
in turn your customers knowing who you are as a brand and as a company. And so when you're building that MVP, always start with the user experience in mind uh, and focus on really mapping the customer's journey as they onboard and ultimately progress through your platform. Onboarding is one of the most crucial points uh, in the life cycle of a customer because you've worked so hard to acquire that customer. You've spent money uh, to acquire that customer. And now that you have them, that's where the real work starts. So you want to make sure that it is as frictionless as possible going through the onboarding that you are providing them with the resources, um, with the guides, with the tutorials, uh, answering frequently asked questions, having knowledge-based articles, all of these things that go around um, onboarding to teach them how to actually leverage your product to get the benefits. So the last thing you want to do is due to bad user experience, give them an opportunity to actually fall out of that registration process and to shy away from becoming uh, a customer of your company. So once you've done all these things, uh, you've already looked to remove any unnecessary steps or screens that may create that friction. You've made it as intuitable or intuitive as possible for your, your clients or your customers to go through and progress through uh, throughout the entire processes, then your product is ready to launch. And so that's the point in time where you need to go out and build some basic sales motions and you need to start outlining your go-to-market strategy. So I've always been a big proponent of founder-led sales. It's something that I've practiced in every business that I've ever launched personally, um, especially in the beginning, because it gives you an opportunity to stay really close to your product uh, and to collect that customer feedback from early adopters, which is absolutely critical in the early stages because it helps you determine if your solution is actually solving their greatest pain points. So you're able to have your ear to the ground. You're able to, to see the responses and the reactions uh, within those demos that you're giving or within those webinars that you're giving uh, so that you have real-time access to those people that fall into your ideal customer profiles. And so the biggest thing here is that, you know, you've already defined your ideal customer profiles. You've crafted that brand story. Um, and so the focus now shifts during your go-to-market go strategy of how you're actually going to distribute your messaging and then what channels you're going to select based on the target customers uh, and the way that they consume content. So we talked about this a little bit earlier when defining those, those ICPs. So you know, luckily you have that stuff, you're prepared to go forward. Now it's just about actually distributing the messaging, adapting it for the different channels, and then starting to build your strategy of how you're going to actually reach and engage. And more importantly, how you're going to capture those leads, nurture those leads, push those people throughout the funnel from top to bottom uh, until the point of conversion. And so Episode five uh, that we did a while ago has an entire framework for how to build a winning go-to-market strategy. Uh, we cover it in, in high-level detail there and provide some additional resources. I'd highly recommend listening to that just to make sure that you have your, your bases covered and that you prevent any uh, missteps in actually taking your product to market. Because this is where you know the culmination of, of all those you know, long hours, late nights, early mornings, uh, overcoming all the obstacles and, and frustrations that you've had while building this business really comes to fruition, right? It's, it's the culmination of all of that activity where now you're ready to launch this product. 
So in order for it to be successful, you really need to spend the time ensuring that you understand what your go-to-market strategy is, how you're measuring it, uh, and more importantly, that it is working. So the next step after that, um, you've gone to market, you've launched, you're starting to gain traction, you've acquired some early adopters maybe, uh, at least some paying clients. This is the point in time where you really want to focus your efforts on the strategies that are proven to help you scale. Um, and I think this is where a lot of people kind of fall out of the process. They, they take it to market and then they don't know what to do after that. They don't know how to weaponize the feedback that they're getting or the reviews or the, the social proof from their customers. And so instead, they just do nothing. But implementing a customer success framework allows you to ensure your client's success, ensures that you are anticipating any potential needs uh, that a customer may have uh, before they even arise. That's the, the purpose, right? So it's proactive in nature versus customer support that is reactive, right? Only customer support is actually focused on solving the problems of the customers after they arise. But customer success is basically working to determine how can I help this customer become as successful as possible using my product, using my service? How can they gain the benefits that I sold them on through my unique value proposition, right? And so when you do customer success correctly, and you're providing them with all of the information and resources that they need to, to become successful, that's where you're really focused on improving their satisfaction. When you improve their satisfaction, you're going to reduce churn. You're going to help build loyalty across your customer base. And in building loyalty, you're going to turn some of those loyal customers into your biggest advocates of your business. And because they're advocates for your business, they're promoting your business. And it's only natural for people to share a positive experience uh, with those closest to them, with the people in their network. And so this is how you really grow from one customer to 10 customers, 10 to 100, 100 to 1,000, and really achieve scale in your business while also having the added benefit of reducing your customer acquisition cost. And so I think this is, again, where most people get to this point and they're not sure what to do. They've built a great product. They've had some success taking it to market. They've got their early customers, but they don't know how to build scale, right? And so what you're going to do here is you're going to take all of those reviews that they leave, all the positive reviews, obviously, all the testimonials talking about how great your product is and how well it's worked and what the benefits are. You're going to take the case studies. You're going to take those success stories. You're basically going to use those in all of your marketing across all of your channels to begin building authority. So you're going to incorporate them on your website as your social proof. You're going to promote them in your advertisements, in your blog articles, in your email newsletters, etc. Basically, show them off anywhere and everywhere that you can think of that makes sense in order to attract new clients. And long story short, if you follow this framework and you do these things right, you'll quickly understand the, the trends and patterns that emerge, right? You'll have better control over your marketing spend. You'll have better control over your, your pipeline. You'll have better control over your churn because you'll have happy customers that are satisfied with the results of the service uh, or product that you are providing, and they'll become advocates. And that's what you need in order to grow 
a brand and ultimately your company. So I always tell people when they ask, this, this is the way. It's really a lot easier than people think, but there's so many different steps in the process that it's easy to get lost. And so I know that I've, I've kind of covered a lot of topics here and that's a lot to take in, but I, I want to get serious for a second because I want you to understand that everything that I just covered, it works. It's proven. It's been battle tested literally time and time again. Um, and more importantly, I've personally used this framework in the five companies that I've built in the past five years that are all now generating over a million dollars in annual revenue. And you may be saying, wow, five companies, nothing to write home about. But there's also the 100 plus client companies that we've done this for well that are now generating seven and eight figures. So this is something that that absolutely works. And the people that implement this are, are just killing it in their businesses. And so that's why it's, it's so important for me to launch this podcast and to share the actual task and the actual processes and the frameworks and the playbooks that are actually guaranteed to grow your business. That's where the name comes from. We have so much faith in what we have built and so much confidence in it that we literally guarantee growth in the businesses of our clients that adopt these frameworks. And so I think that's something that, that really differentiates us back uh, against our competitors within the marketplace. And so people love that. They love guarantees. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to do the work. We'll provide the resources. We provide the knowledge. I'm going to have some incredible, incredible guests continuing to come on this show to talk about the problems that they've encountered in their businesses how they have overcome those challenges, what they learn from it. And the reason that I do that is because I want all of you as my listeners to avoid those same mistakes. There is a better way. You don't have to fall into the same traps and same pitfalls that all the other entrepreneurs that got it wrong before you did. You can literally learn from their experience and from their mistakes so that you can learn to identify those problems as you encounter them, avoid them and are aware of what solutions exist for you to continue scaling your business. So before I wrap this up, I just want to give a special thanks to everyone out there. Uh, you guys are awesome. Our listeners have been going out and promoting and, and I know at the end of every show, I always ask to have you guys share it with another entrepreneur that may be building a business or going through this process or trying to figure out how to overcome a struggle that they're having. And I know that entrepreneurship gets extremely lonely at times, but I want you guys to know that you're not alone. There's an entire community out here of people that are building just like you. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, you guys have been great in helping us climb the charts and uh, bringing us new ears to reach and teach. And uh, I'm going to continue putting out great content for you guys, bringing you all the latest tips, tricks, and strategies that are proven to guarantee to grow your business, right? Thanks again for joining. And until next week, I'll catch you then. Thanks. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen in on today's episode. I had a blast recording it for you, and I hope that you found some really great takeaways. 